males are born, men are built. This is the Great Man Podcast, where we want you to build great men as you allow other men to build you. Join New York Times bestselling author Stephen Mansfield, along with seasoned leaders of men, as we bring a wide range of experience and expertise to help you become the great man you are designed to be. Boom, 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 boom. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast. And every other week, we switch spots with Stephen Mansfield. Stephen Mansfield will come on and he'll do the talk. And it's kind of at a thousand feet and discuss the subject. And then he throws it to us and we do the build, which is what we're doing today. And we make it more practical and speak about things that are real in our lives and the way that we can work these principles into our lives. So that's what this is today. And the whole point of the podcast, gentlemen, is to to be a, a virtual band of brothers, somewhere where you can come and talk and hear things that will be helpful to you, a place where you can exchange and send us notes and speak back to us and just create this environment of men getting together for the sake of becoming greater men. Because when we leave this spot each week, we hope that we are a tad bit better. We hope that we are a tad bit more informed. We hope that we are more prepared to go into this world that is constantly attacking masculinity and asking us not to be such men. All of these things that are characteristically uh, looked at as men somehow has been orchestrated into this uh, idea of being toxic. So we want to fight against that because great masculinity, great men are not toxic. We know how to stay within our bounds. We know how to follow the rules. We have our own expectations of our lives. We have principles that we live by. And that's the kind of positive thing that we want to talk about in the podcast. So today I'm one of your hosts. My name is Anthony Flemons. And on my side is Jake Kim. Jake Kim. And he's the co-host today. So we're going to dig in a little bit. But this past week, Stephen talked about a subject, man, that again, as all things do when Stephen's talking brought up a lot of noise in our lives and it was killing killing the creep killing the creep man i love catchy phrases and i've in previous podcasts and things i'm always thinking of a way to make you go what is that and immediately when i heard the name of this podcast i'm like killing the creep what did you think about j kim just not having listened to it when you read the title did you think of anything yeah i mean it it I, I did not think of what the talk right. was, but but it it did uh, pique my interest. Like my wife was like, "What is that about?" She saw the title. She's like, "What is that about?" Yeah. And, and when I told her, she's like, "Oh yeah, that this is a topic for men." Yeah, man. So it's it's easy to for in the way that in the context that Stephen is speaking is have all these little bitty. I guess the Bible said the small foxes kill the vine. The small foxes ruin the vine. And it's easy to allow a bunch of small foxes or a bunch of small things to to come your way. And you just say, "Okay, have your way, have your way with this cocktail. Go from one to two. Have your way with this. You know, just these different things that come toward us. But I thought it was very thoughtful, J. Kim, that Stephen was careful to say that most of these things are very wholesome or very normal or are not morally apprehensive. Yeah. A lot of times it seems innocuous. Yeah. But it leads us down that path to, towards something less so. And it, 
if you don't recognize like what's causing that, like what are, what are, what are the creeps for your life? Yeah. You know, like if you don't recognize that, you think, Oh, there's something good because it is. Yeah. It all starts good. It all well, starts, a lot of it starts, a lot good. of it starts good, but it slowly takes you to the point where you're compromising on something that you didn't think you would compromise on. Yeah. And as Steven began to talk, man, he started to go a little bit deeper and explain to us what he was talking about, about these things creeping in. And he gave this example of having a friend and, you know, would have a glass of wine, used to not drink and have a glass of wine with dinner. And it progressed on until he became full blown alcoholic bottles around the house and impacted his life and kind of destroyed what he had going on now. And he mentioned in, in, you know, in the podcast is that's an extreme example, but we're all living out these moments in our lives right now. And we're at some phase along that spectrum of addiction, some phase. Yeah. It, it, it also is this thing that we don't approach the pleasures in life that they with the mentality that they're going to diminish every mm. time we do it. So we're just pursuing the same good feeling. We're yeah. pursuing wherever, whatever, it, whether it's medicating something like pain or if it's just straight up, I'm just pursuing pleasure. And I want, you know, I want to taste this again. I want to feel this way again. Not having in mind that it's going to diminish yeah. every time you do it. I think because we don't have that mentality, we we fall into this trap of like, more and more and more and more until we're addicted to something that we don't think we'd be addicted to. Yeah. It's really a sad proposition for me to really think through what Steven is proposing. I don't know that I'm a hundred percent on board with it across the board, but he's smarter than me. So I'm going to have to trust him on it. But just the idea that something that I do or absorb or whatever, and I enjoy it, like it's <laughs> in my DNA the next time I perceive it, hear it, or enjoy it, it's going to be just a little bit less. Now, I, I, I don't know that I buy that across the board, man, just that all pleasures are diminishing. But he's, you know, here's Stephen Mansfield, man. He's quoting all these doctors and these studies, man, that I believe that he's making up, man, to make his point. <laughs> But he's we, quoting, we can make him some studies. too. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Let's, <laughs> so he, he's he's creating this uh, air of information around us. But just the thought of that yeah. is a little bit disappointing to me to know that no matter what it is, the first time that I take pleasure in it is like the ultimate reaction to it. Like it's just the ultimate experience that I will ever have with that thing. Do you do you buy it, Jay? I think it. I think it's a brain thing. I think Stephen mentioned like there, there are some people it's just, you know, either through epigenetics or through their past or whatever, uh, it becomes, they're more inclined to be addicted to something. You know what I mean? And, and there are certain things that we all face that we go like, I can have one of those and be fine for a year. Yeah. You know, and, and to others, that's their, that's the thing that is a slippery slope. So for, you know, for us, it's like, you know, I have a drink every now and then, but it, it's not a problem. I don't do it alone. I don't do it socially. I'd say like, I, I have a drink, like maybe, you know, when you're with me, well, yeah, with you, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the bad influence um, when you're with me, but I have a drink like maybe like twice a week and, it, and, and that's fine for me. Yeah. But it is also like, if you know yourself, even the things that you don't have trouble with, you might want to guard in case like, cause that guy didn't know he had a family history of alcoholism. Right. All things in moderation. Yeah. And so I think there is that, that mentality does come from like, well, I can have this 
I can have a steak and like enjoy it and I'm good for a while. You know what I mean? And and I'm not going to like need a steak tomorrow <laughs> or two yeah. steaks tomorrow. But we think about that and we go like that brings me tons of pleasure. Yeah. So I guess this thing that brings me pleasure, I can handle it. You know, realistically, man, since we're on the subject of food and we'll we'll talk about several vices and several ways that we can fall into this creep syndrome and, and allow the creep in. But, you know, here the last 10 years, I've been thoughtful. I haven't been obedient to those thoughts all the time, but I've been thoughtful about the things that I eat. And, you know, you talked about a steak and a big old steak, man. Like I'm a guy I work in a in a steakhouse, so I'm not really, you know, excited about going out going to a steakhouse uh, like a lot of people are but when i go to a steakhouse man i'm gonna very rarely get a steak but my point is this i've found that a large steak is generally 14 to 16 ounces a smaller steak is generally six or seven ounces you know if you if you take a piece of meat man and cut you four ounces of it cook it well properly have a side item like four ounces of beef is enough to satisfy your chewing and aroma and flavor and all of that. Four freaking ounces of beef. But very rarely do you see people stop when they're satisfied. What is it in us, man, that keeps us going? Like anything that we enjoy, I want to get it all now because there's no telling when I might get it again, even though you know you go out once a week or even though you know you have 20 pounds of steak at home, what is it that keeps us eating past being satisfied? It's, it's kind of like what you were talking about, about like the scarcity mentality. Like we, we think like, Oh, I'm never going to have this again. I gotta, I gotta enjoy it while I have it. Right. You know, this pleasure, I don't get to experience all the time. So you might as well, you know, YOLO. I don't know. Like it's kind of, it's kind of like human nature to consume something and, and, even though it's beyond what satisfies. Yeah. And does that go back to, to the times when in, in the new age or in the young age of, of civilization and, and being human, man, that there were things that were very enjoyable that we wouldn't see that often. It's not that often that I see a dove that I can kill a dove and have a dove. So if I see a flock of doves, I'm going to kill them all and cook them all. And we're just going to, spaz out and eat until we can't eat anymore or uh, we don't often see an elk let's kill the elk cook the elk eat as much as we can until we pass out like these kinds of things and it's, it's and i don't have the answer to that but i suspect that there's some of that kind of epigenetic thing going on in our lives and for those that haven't heard that word it's the idea it's a scientific uh, idea that as humans when the way that we live our lifestyle we by consuming or behaving or indulging in things that we turn on switches in our DNA. And once those switches are turned on, it's turned on in us and we can pass it down to our offspring and people, the kids that we have generation to generation, Yeah, from generation to generation. And then when your child is born, those same switches within his DNA, those same proclivities within his DNA are actually turned on. And he is more inclined to chase after these things than say his neighbor next door. And then when he has kids, if he doesn't address it, that switch remains on. But the good thing about all of that is, is it works both ways. Yeah. We can turn switches on you turn them off and you can turn switches off. So we have to think about that. And I was thinking about, you know, even what Steven said is that 
in this society, we're passing this thing down, creating more of these broken uh, people by this epigenetic process or by even just uh, the idea of people catching more than what you've taught them. So if our kids are looking at us and they see that we do X, they go, well, that's what daddies do. Also, the the quality. Uh, so I, I don't know if this is straying too far, but but as far as switching off those those things in our in our brain, the, the things that fire automatically. Yeah. Switching those off, you replace those with noble endeavors. Mm. You have to I mean, it's not replacing, but you have to find something greater. Right. Or else you're just replacing an addiction with another addiction. But like it, the, the thing is, is a lot of times the things that are addict us are manufactured and designed yeah. to addict. Us. Oh yeah. And so you're more likely to get addicted to fast food, for instance, because that's been engineered. Absolutely. To taste a certain way that food doesn't naturally taste. And you can't go home and prepare it and make it taste that way because you don't have all the stuff to put yeah. in it to it, make it to, taste that way. To a lesser extent, fine dining. They, right. They, the reason why it never tastes that way at home is because you wouldn't consciously put that much salt and butter into something. Right. And and they would tell you like a you know a Michelin star chef would be like the reason why it tastes this way is because I put just an ungodly amount of butter and salt in this that you would never ever think to consume. Yeah, who's the cook that goes conscience? butter makes it better? <laughs> that, I think that was uh, I Paula Dean. Yeah, Paula Dean. Paula butter, Dean. butter makes it better. Everything's better with butter. Yeah, but it's true. Yeah, we have all these tricks and things, but society as a whole, Jay, we've noticed, man, that. Everything points us towards excess. Yeah. And I'm going to say I'm like an old 58-year-old guy right here. I'm going to say it. But, man, I remember times, man, when you would go in 7-Eleven and the largest big gulp that you could get was like 20 ounces. I mean, that was a big old cup, man. And now what is it, 44, 48, 96? (laughs) Like you can go and get something as big as your head for a dollar 99 and drink on it. And then you want another one. Oh, yeah. But, but just, it seems like everything is pulling us towards excess, man. Huge buckets of chicken. When you go somewhere, uh, we make fun of small portions of food, but that's the portion of food that you actually need, man. I mean, come on. But that's the way companies make money, you yeah. know, and that's the way industries move forward. And they, they're like, look, we can make way more money yeah. if we addict our users. If we didn't condone it and make it successful, mm. they wouldn't do it, right? Yeah. I, if it didn't work, yeah, they wouldn't do it. But like, it, the thing is, is that we we start consuming these things that make the good noble stuff that you know, or or the good food, for instance. It makes it not taste as good because we're like that. My taste buds are used to incredibly sweet things or these incredibly th- things that were me- engineered <laughs> to addict me. Yeah. And so I, I think it's also the 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 level of what you're doing. Like if you're doing something really noble, you know, it, it involves some pain. It's not all it's pleasurable in the end because it's a worthwhile endeavor. Yeah. And you gain that pleasure from achieving something, mm. you know, like whether it is, you know, raising a family or if it is going out and, and do it, serving your community. But those things are that's the kind of pleasure we were actually wired for. But these things that creep up are, are things that just are unnatural. We weren't meant to consume this food. We weren't meant to consume these, this highly concentrated sexual imagery. We weren't right. meant to consume, you know, the alcohol in this level or whatever. And 
the thing is, is that marketing society, everything they're trying to be like, have more, have more, have more. Yeah. You know, make us more money. It's fine. You could do it. Speaking of advertising and corporate companies, you were you were telling me about the study and in in my head, man, like you're the ultimate nerd, man. You yeah. have information like that you shouldn't have, in my opinion. And some of it's very, you know, niche and some of it's mainstream, but you're a well-rounded, uh, informed kind of guy. But you were talking to me about a national, we'll say it this way, a national <laughs> coffee brand. And there came out some information about yeah. this company. Well, the U.S. U.S. government forced them to disclose the fact that they add caffeine to addict users. And the level of caffeine they yeah. were adding. And, and what happened? Uh, their sales skyrocketed. It, now, that, that's... that's <laughs> To me, man, that's very unusual. Come on. I mean, for me, the reason why I remember is because I remember when that news was released, it was national news. And the first thought in my head is like, I'm I'm going to get get that now. (laughs) That's what I'm going to drink every day. I'm going to get a gold star membership, man. I'm going to have as much of this. And like you ask anybody who loves coffee and the flavor of coffee, that brand is not that it's good. not it it's, it's not, not that it good, man. you know what i mean like yeah. and that's the one everyone goes to and we're not allowed to say <laughs> no nah, I, I would i wouldn't say it man i mean you can say it but <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't personally say it but you know what's odd about that too so i find out that there's more caffeine to the ounce coming out of this particular shop there's a part of me that is greedy and selfish and a value shopper that feels like if I go somewhere else and spend similar money but get less caffeine, I'm ripping my own self off. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I mean, that that's the reason why yeah. everyone's like, I'm getting more for my buck. And yeah. the thing is, you're not because you're spending four bucks on a latte. <laughs> four dollars. Oh, yeah. That, that, well, that back then. Yeah. Back then when this news <laughs> came out, that's how much a latte cost. Yeah. You know, just let's back it up a little bit, too, and talk about our personal lives, because we need to get into that a little bit, some things that we've struggled with. But, man, when I go back as far as I can remember in my personal life, man, I remember a time of abuse, uh, physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. I remember all these things. And I remember growing up alone with my mom and my mom had gone through similar abuses, man. So she was a broken kind of a doll as well. And she, she, uh, in all respect and honor, I mean, she broke me as a child as well, but I can remember always looking and trying to figure out what mood, what mode my mom was in and try and fix it and get her back to mode a rather than mode B because Mm -hmm. mode a was everything was peaceful. Mode B was I may get strangled later today. And so I remember growing up as a child and all of these pleasures they're not always what we think they are. Like we think of pleasure, we think of, you know, sex or sugar, food, uh, all these kinds of things. But sometimes, and I'm floating this idea in front of you, Jay, you know, sometimes is a pleasure something as simple as feeling safe, mm. feeling as though your life is not in danger. Yeah. Uh, feeling that you are not going to be abused in this moment, feeling that you're not, you're trying to create this space where you're not going to get beat mm-hmm. in this moment. And I can remember as a child being quote unquote, possibly addicted to this idea of fixing mm. the people around me, their attitude and getting them back to mode A rather than mode B because mode B meant I didn't feel safe. 
And that followed me for a lot of years into friendships, into relationships. Yeah. It followed me into my marriage, man, until this is the honest truth within my marriage, man, that probably 10 or 12 years ago, my wife was upset about something and I was just fixated on figuring out what it was and to fix it rather than let her have her moment to be upset. And I'm like, why am I so you know, adamant about this getting fixed right now? Why does it need to be discussed right now? And I realized, man, that because she was in mode B, in my opinion, it made me feel unsafe. Therefore, uh, the possibility of abuse or all these things were still bubbling up in a little boy's head in a grown man's body. And so the whole idea of that, man, just some of these things that we call pleasures may not be uh, characteristic pleasures that people see in their lives. Yeah, I mean, I think upbringing and nurture has a lot to do with it as well, as well as, you know, your past generations and whatnot. But that too, the 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 pain that we're medicating leads to other addictions as well. But like, yeah, I do. I, I never really thought of that. Like the the experiences that we have and the the way we deal and cope with it yeah. can become in itself a pleasure. And you can get addicted to creating yeah. this thing. Also, the importance of that, though, because I always look at the the what happens in result to it. You know, what I mean, what what happened in result to this feeling is I got addicted to, you know, something or whatever. And I always deal with the addiction, but I don't deal with the core problem. Right. And I think that what you what you're bringing up is something that's valuable for a man. It's not only identifying what your creep is, but why it's happening mm-hmm. and, and the core of why it's happening you have that wisdom that like oh this is because my mom this is because of this experience took me 30 years yeah well 20 22 years to come to that yeah but that that is sort of what brought me down this entire thing of of being a man is is when i first went through like conquer and Mm -hmm. we, we went through it and and the whole thing is you're trying to figure out where those lies are embedded in your life. Right. And you got to go back to your worst memories. And I realized I couldn't remember any of them because I had so like blocked them off that they were so compartmentalized. So I I decided to go on this therapy journey and find out, and I wanted to lead other men. And that's what started me down the whole, (laughs) the whole manhood thing, you know, ministering to guys. It was, it was just that of realizing that I had to identify what was the core cause of these things. And the fact that I couldn't unlock them is the only reason I went into therapy Yeah, because I was like, I need to I need to realize what's the core cause of these addictions. What's the core cause of this thing. And yeah, but also like, <laughs> I, I remember growing up, I wasn't allowed to have like candy or, or TV or fast food. Shut up. And so anytime, anytime I had it, you you like anytime <laughs> anytime I went over anyone's house with cable, they you're hate, like Cookie Monster. They hated me because I was gone. I was just watching TV the whole time, and I think I think what you're talking about uh, as far as like you know the 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 security and the safety, it's also could be a good thing. Like my my parents are trying to keep me from something. Yeah, you know, and it's not. I wasn't super sheltered, but yeah. like my body vibrated and wanted things, you know what I mean? And I couldn't, I couldn't necessarily control my impulses because I was, you know, but even after I didn't have that condition anymore, I still was that way. You know what I mean? Like here's, Oh man, I'm finally living on my own. 
oh, I'm going to watch whatever I want. <laughs> oh, bro, all day. I'm going to be just in my room, you know, and just like watching whatever I want. And and you kind of get into that that thing where where you have scarcity and stuff like that. And yeah. Here's what I want to. I want to pick some things out of what you said, but you yeah. talked about any, any place and we need to really listen to this. Any place where a wound occurs, mm. a wound occurs, a lie gets inserted yeah. and it's the answer to why you've been hurt, why this is harmful, why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. And for us of the Christian faith, we realize that those are either our soulish answers that we come up with are actually the enemy, which we call Satan, you know, facilitating, giving us these answers that are in contrast to what the word of God says. So, so when we have abuse in our lives, we may somehow absorb or have a lie inserted as I must be X Mm -hmm. to encourage this person to come and do this to me. So somehow my behavior or who I am is the reason why this is happening to me. I must be a really bad kid if I caused my mom to beat me to a level where I was fearful for my life. You know, so those are the lies. And until we honestly go into our control room, consider ourselves maybe with a good friend and begin to go back and recount some of these things, we won't even be able to identify that we're living off the information of a lie. Yeah. And that's what was good about the Conqueror series, man. It forced us back to go and relive all of these painful moments, these moments where we felt like that we had been harmed Mm. or abused or these injuries had happened to us. It forced us to go back and look at those and then account for what lie was inserted. It made us write it down, identify it. And then what truth can we put in place of that lie? Yeah, especially now with the with the experience of life. You know, the many years we have separating us from the trauma, we know the truth in our heads, but we we also still believe what that kid believed. Yeah. And so the value of declaring that truth every day, whether it's scriptural truth, which is what Conquer, you know, focuses on, but like, or if it's just the truth that you know through experience, it is something that you declare every day. You're telling that kid, hey, this is the truth about you. Yeah. This is the word that you needed to hear then, but you didn't, you heard the opposite. Yeah. You know, do you know anybody, man, that's like, uh, they have to have salt on everything they eat. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know anybody that's going to put, you know, where a normal person might put two teaspoons of sugar in something, they're going to put 10 pumps of a sugary syrup into their beverage. Like, do you know people like this? Yeah. And, you know, it's just odd, man, that we get engineered or we get encouraged into overindulging, man, because, you know, salt, it is necessary for our bodies, but too much salt then gives us medical issues. Mm -hmm. So all these things, man, that that society is just kind of pumping into us and giving us the idea that it's good for us is actually bad. And here's here's the nerdy side of you again, man. I remember I don't remember when it was, man, but you were telling me a story about. Uh, silkworms or something, man. Yeah. And it really, it really points to how we can be encouraged in a thing that is actually going to kill us. What, what was the deal about the the silkworms? Man? So at some point in our history, I don't, I don't know the exact year, but we started importing silkworms because we wanted to, you know, be involved in the silk industry as well. We want, and what ended up happening is we introduced them to the ecosystem and they started destroying everything. They started eating everything. 
And so they had to figure out a way to eradicate the silkworms now. And, and what they in, ended up coming with is they formulated a highly concentrated version of the female pheromone of that species. And they just released it into the wild. And now all of these silkworms, or I don't know, are they silkworms? Something. There were some <laughs> kind of insect. They were all pursuing that highly concentrated pheromone, and they were ignoring the actual females. And they just died out. Yeah. Because they could never, that, and that's sort of what addiction does. Is right. It, 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 we start getting addicted to something that makes the natural, good, noble things in our lives taste bad mm-hmm. or, or not or be completely unappealing. Yeah, because this has been engineered. If if the natural version is on one, mm-hmm. this is engineered to be a hundred and one. So our bodies are going to go towards a thing that is more potent. So in this species, they they would walk past 10 women to search out this synthetic pheromone yeah they were not mating at all and and they stopped mating and just that think about that within the context of relationships and marriages and we talked about this a little bit uh when we talked about the studies of these men abdicating their responsibility and their activity in society going in as a recluse playing games and and concentrating on porn rather than pursuing real live women and relationships. And we've also talked about men being so involved in porn and synthetic types of stimulation that when they are with an actual woman, they can't even produce, man. So society is offering all these highly concentrated moments, highly sexual, suggestive moments and images that we can go and consume until we are just full to the brim but when we turn and look at this woman that's next to us or someone that's showing interest in us, it's too much work. It's too much commitment. It's too much fear. Yeah. It's too much possibility of it not going well. I'll just go over here where I can get 101 degrees of this sexual excitement and it's safe and it's always there and it's always on. And these are the ways it sucks us into these addictions, yeah. man. Understanding ourselves you know, understanding myself when it comes to that, like I need guys around me yeah, because I have blind spots. Absolutely. So I can do as much of killing the creep as I can in my own life. But you know, without, without the men around me, like for instance, you said something to me once like a long time ago Yeah. Oh gosh. about, about how you exemplify purity and leadership in your household. And I, I don't remember exactly, but you were telling me, yeah. If something comes on TV. Or- yeah. So so the 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 point I was making, I yeah. remember the conversation is that I've had an addiction to porn and that addiction for me started, I guess, eight or nine years old. And you've heard me tell this story, but I'll tell it very quickly yeah. for the sake of this discussion is that I'm a young teenager, man, and I'm walking down the street and I see this shiny piece of paper on the ground. And I'm like, man, paper doesn't shine. Why is that piece of paper shining? I go pick it up. And there's this woman, man, and she's in all of her glory in a position, man, that I've never seen anyone in showing me stuff that I've never seen. And immediately, man, I am tacked to it, attract to it. And I took that piece of paper home. And if I'm honest, man, I'm going to tell you, I probably saved that piece of paper for over a year. And I utilize that paper for stuff that guys utilize porn for. And that was the beginning of my addiction, man. I didn't even realize what it was, but that's how I became addicted to porn. And as I grew up and began to live my life, I noticed, man, that as I weaned myself and taught myself not to indulge in porn, that I would make other things porn. 
I could look in a Sears magazine, man, and I'd go straight to the panties and bras section to get some kind of feeling, some enjoyment, some just to get close to mm. uh, this this porn. And I was telling you, man, that in our households and in our lives, we have to operate. And it's, this is a bad choice of words, but we have to be honest with our own weaknesses mm. and run from those things that could take us down a rabbit trail. And yeah. I told you, man, that I can turn in my sick head, I can turn anything in the porn. And I talked about times when I'd be in a grocery store and hear the heels of a woman clicking three hours over. And I would have to stop what I'm doing and go walk those three hours over to get a look at this woman. Because, man, those heels sound like they're attached to something that I want to see. Yeah. There was times in my home, man, I love boxing. But the showgirls, man, are always scantily clad. And so I begin to put these practices in place. And it feels childish, but I know myself, so it's not. But even now, man, if I'm watching boxing and they show the ring girl, and they don't show them like they used to, you'll notice that. But if the ring girl came by, I would look away. If a sex scene came on in a movie, and we still do this, we will fast forward it. Because we want to create our own images of sexual excitement for ourselves and not be competing with what we see on TV. But just moments like this, man, I'm always on guard because I know I have a proclivity towards this thing because of past wounds that I'm still working through, but I've set up guards around me and it's certain things that I do to guard myself against these things because I want to be healthy for my marriage. I want to be healthy for my son, my daughter, and I don't want to end up in an addiction that causes harm to all of them. That's, that's what you were talking about, right? Yeah. And yeah. let me tell you, when you told me that, it was several years ago. Yeah. That became my policy forever. Really? <laughs> right? So that, that was like, wow, I need to adopt that in my life. Because there, there's a certain extent, like there's certain imagery imagery that other people may find like sexualized or whatever that does not actually appeal to me. Yeah. If I see that, I, I would turn away. You know, because I know myself, but also because of what you told me. That policy I heard and I was like, that sounds... That sounds good. I'm going to do that. Yeah. There, there's guys out there that's going to tell you you're crazy for doing that, though, man. Exactly. Uh, you're you're yeah. overdoing it. Exactly. Jay. There there would be there would be guys who you could surround yourself with who'd be like, it's not cheating if you do this. Yeah. You know, masturbation's okay. Porn's okay. That You can surround yourself with guys that'll tell you the opposite. And I think part of killing the creep is surrounding yourself with men who will tell you the noble thing, who know from experience, who know... Oh, who can see, who know you enough, they can see your blind spot. Yeah. You know, I have a saying and I say it a few times a year, man, when I'm in a setting, a group of men and I walk away particularly energized or encouraged, I always turn back and I say, hey, guys, I want you to know that I'm never in the company of great godly men and leave that setting not being better. Like yeah. it's it's literally impossible to be in a group of Godly men, men living on morals and standards and biblical principles, because you can go and and just in the hopes of having the most asinine, insane, foolish conversation, and it'll last for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, maybe even an hour. But at some point, someone's going to say something that is pretty profound or or, uh, a standard based or something that's going to bring the conversation around man, how can we be better? How can I be better? You know, I'm doing this. I'm struggling with that. 
And all of a sudden, the conversation turns into this moment where everybody gets to learn. And that's the importance of having this band of brothers around you, men that have a no-fire zone, that, that just will say what needs to be said. And we always give them permission to step into our lives. And that's the value of having this group of guys around us, man. Yeah. For me, a big problem right now is, is the phone. For me, it's a dopamine hit every time I even turn that on. Oh and my that, gosh. it was a study that said, like, you check your email. It's like the same impulse you get when you pull the slot machine lever. Ah. And so, <laughs> so like, I need you and I need anyone. If you see me and we're having, we're sitting down and having a conversation, I pull up my phone and I'm doing something stupid on there, like a game <laughs> or whatnot, or like just checking Instagram. Like, I need you to be like, hey, man, like, are you, is that becoming an issue for you again? Because mm, it, it always is like that, that constant dopamine hit in my pocket is a dangerous thing. And, you know, it get it to the point where like, I'm supposed to be spending, you know, some quality time with, with my wife and we're both sitting on the couch looking at Instagram and we're literally just sending memes to each other <laughs> sitting next to each other. But this is not that that's not what she needs. That's not what I need in that moment. We need to, we need a time where we're eye to eye and actually, you know, having this open, safe environment, but we're yeah. just playing on Instagram. Yeah, man, we can, we can destroy ourselves and destroy our lives and really <laughs> neglect a lot of things that are important to us, chasing after our own vices, chasing after our own satisfaction after the things that we find pleasure in. And that's that's the warning here in this episode that we need to always be taking account of those things that we find joy in, that we find pleasure in. Not that they're wrong, but to check them up once a quarter. Yeah. Am I spending too much time, energy, or money on food? Am I spending too much time, energy, or money on booze? What can I do to curb those things? Am I spending too much time, money, or energy on sex? Am I spending and just monitor these things, ask ourselves these kind of questions, man, because ultimately we're going to come across one that goes, man, I used to rarely do that. And now it seems like I'm chasing down moments yeah. to do it. And again, it doesn't have to be a morally wrong thing, but am I beginning to push past an occasional pleasure into, man, I got to have this. I got to have this. Yeah. And I, I also like, as far as having guys around you, but also self evaluation is important as well. It, sure. so it's not either or it's both. And in that sense, it's what Steven said. He said, take a look at what is creeping into your soul. Yeah. You know, and having that moment of self evaluation, not only looking at, I think a very good practical way is be like, am I spending more too much money on this? You yeah. know, for sure. But it's also evaluating your life and looking at the creeps that are coming in and stealing from you. Because yeah. literally, I'm, I'm telling you, this phone has stole a lot from me. <laughs> you know the story about the game I was addicted to oh, for a man. while back. Just real quick, man. We don't have a bunch of time. <laughs> just just talk about how you indulged in that game and what it cost how, you, man. I don't even know how it started. It was just like a, a mobile ad, and I decided to try it out. There's this game called Mobile Strike, and mm. it was literally pay to win. And it's like whoever has the biggest base is basically the only safe person in the game. So there was no there yeah. was no real talent way to win no. or expertise way to win. Because the guy who had the biggest base is the guy who spent the most money. Okay, so keep going. So I I don't, I, don't know. I just it, I kept, it took you down a rabbit hole. It took me down a rabbit hole because one, the game has like a million things you can do in it that each has their own dopamine hit. So basically, I'm just sitting there 
doing these dumb things where I'll like upgrade all my resources and I'll upgrade five my bucks, troops and four stuff. bucks. No, no, not for five bucks. But like each pack they introduce, they start you off with like a cheap one, but yeah. then they never show you that cheap mm-hmm. one again. So you go from dollar ninety nine, five dollars, ten dollars, nineteen dollars, you know, fifty dollars to ninety nine dollars was the max price. They and that became the only things you saw were the ninety nine dollar packs. So if you needed to re up or reinforce yeah. your deal, it was a hundred bucks a pop. And also, you're in an alliance. So there are other people who are competing, who are in your chat talking to you about you know, all the packs they're buying and yeah. one, and they're introducing me to like different chat programs, like, you know, like line, which I never heard of, but you go online, the whole alliance is on there and they're all communicating with each other and they're communicating with this person in another country who can get you packs for $60. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, as long as you buy in bulk, you buy right. like five or six of them at a time. So the, and, the short version of it is, is that you, yeah. you're presented with this game that you find joy in all of a sudden, the creator of the game is always there to make money. Yeah. There are no free games. And at some point, they offer you the ability to be stronger than the guy next to you. And here's how you do it at $4, at $9, at $29, at $59, yeah. at $99. And they draw you in until they get you spending money constantly at a sitting you could spend X amount of dollars. Over time, that adds up, man. And it can take you down a deep, deep hole. Because it brings you joy. For little brief stupid things, but it's also fear because you lose all that in a second. Yeah. So so there were moments where I was on stage, you know, on the worship team at church, looking at my phone <laughs> and making sure I'm not being attacked. And so like that if it was it's this thing that forced me to look at my phone constantly. Yeah, man. I was not present in life at all. So if that's an issue for people out there, and I know that it's an issue for almost everyone is being so attached to your phone. Here's, here's something, man. And you know, this is old school and it's been done a million times, but me and my wife, when we go out to enjoy dinner with each other, we do a simple thing called phone stack. And we take our phones, we turn them upside down. We have our favorites in there. So that means our kids, our mom, dad, if they're still living can reach us and it'll go past our phone being turned off. But we won't touch those phones at all. We just let them be stacked. So it's called phone stack. Get in the habit. Turn your phone off for 30 minutes. If you're fidgeting and wondering, and oh my gosh, it's 30 minutes up yet. There's probably some addictive behavior attached to that. And begin to wean yourself off of whatever it is. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all these things. They're not inherently bad but they can take you down a rabbit hole for hours and hours and hours. And you can be sitting next to your loved one, spending all this time with strangers rather than turning and talking to the person that you love. So that's, that's one of the addictions are phones, uh, sex, man. We didn't want to turn this into a porn addiction uh, episode, but obviously man, porn is a thing that will take you so far so quickly and there's a frame of thought out there that says there's nothing wrong with porn we spice up our married life with it it's going fine but all the studies will tell you that it waters down the intimacy within a marriage yeah like you you have a finite amount of intimacy for this explanation and if you siphon off one percent of it towards porn you only have eight for your marriage and then if you begin to spend more time and at some point it's going to tip and you're going to be siphoning out five six for porn and three or four for your household. 
Uh, if you find that you get way too excited about going out and having a good meal, man, and just you overindulge, you eat way past being satisfied. Concentrate on eating slower and eating smaller portions, not buying everything on the menu that you find attractive. Just paring down, go out for the conversation. If you normally have three cocktails when you go out, go out and decide, you know what? When I'm away from home, and this is a practice for me, I'm going to have one cocktail generally. If it's something special or we spend an extraordinary amount of time in the restaurant, I may have to, I will never have more than two cocktails when I'm in a restaurant. If I go and smoke a cigar, I'll never have more than one bourbon when I smoke a cigar ever. It's just a guard that I've put in place. So those are some things that we have to just put in place, put these guards in place for ourselves to protect ourselves against addiction and the creeps of our soul creeping in. Yeah. You're training your body to be satisfied by less. And that is counter to culture. We want to have more, 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 but it's actually healthier. You actually enjoy things more when you, when you have them in moderation and you don't have them all the time. Yeah. Right. Like this is kind of common sense. You're going to have fine lot, like the best steak and lobster every night. You don't value that stuff. Like you right. said, like at your restaurant, like I'm not looking for steak anymore, yeah. you know, because I work at a steakhouse, yeah. you know? And, 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 and so like, that's just common sense that if we moderate it, it becomes, it becomes better. Yeah. Well, Jay, man, it's been great talking to you about uh, the creeps that are creeping in and and just exposing your life 100 percent, man, <laughs> figuring out you in much worse shape than I, I am. At least I, I didn't have to tell everybody how much money I went yeah, into debt for that game. Yeah, but, I didn't want to dig, yeah, dig that hole for you. But, man, I just want to thank you for being on. I want to thank all of you for spending time with us today. Don't forget, go to Great Man and uh, sign up to support us. We are set to impact 10 million men in the next 10 years. And that's a lot of work, man. So we want to do that. Please come alongside us and encourage us. Uh, this is, I believe, our fourth or fifth episode with uh, J. Kim and I. And here's a, a big ask, and, and I'm ready to read them, man. If you have critical feedback about J. Kim and I doing the show, and I'm sure you have a ton of it, please share it with us, man, because we want to grow. We want to be better. We want to give you what you need and how you need it and how you enjoy it. So send those things. If we said something today that pissed you off and you completely disagree with it, please send us a note. If you said if we said something today that made you think about something in a different way, please send us that note. Please communicate with us. Take a moment. And I know it's a lot of time, but take a moment to speak to us. And today we talked about killing the creep. Those small things that have the opportunity to become an addiction, because that's one of the great arts of great man. To join the great man community or to book Stephen to speak at your man's event, go to greatman.tv. There, you'll also find incredible resources to help you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Wise Company production.